Put the fucking mic on. How we doing, folks? It's your boy, DP Barstool Sports Starting 9, and you are listening to the End of the Bench. Scoot your ass down. Welcome to episode 75 of End of the Bench. On this episode, we will discuss the divisional round in the NFL playoffs, discuss all four games, and dive into how amazing Lamar Jackson's year after a unfortunate loss in the divisional round against... The Tennessee Titans. We're also going to discuss the new coaching hirings for the Browns. New Hall of Famers going to the NFL Hall of Fame. Julian Edelman's arrest. And, of course, a bench player of the week. But you know what? <coughs> I got something stuck in my throat here. You know, usually we start, we kick off with the NFL since the playoffs. But I got to announce a little something here first. We got some breaking news coming out of Major League Baseball. And, unfortunately, it's just me today. Liam could not make the podcast, so it's just going to be me. You guys will deal with it. It's going to be a good podcast, but I'm going to dive into everything you need to know about the suspensions and firings of the Astros GM and manager. So let's dive in right now. So as of tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, Ken Rosenthal tweeted out that MLB penalties for the Astros are included as such. A one-year suspension for GM Jeff Lunau and A.J. Hinch, manager of the Astros, and they're both without pay. The Astros also lose first and second round picks in both the 20 and 21 draft, draft, which is a total of two first rounders and two second rounders. I know that's pretty easy to understand, but got to explain the details here. Also, a fine up of $5 million. And also, that's something that really wasn't added because I think it was a given to a lot of people, but former assistant uh, GM for the Astros, Brandon Todman, has also been placed on MLB's ineligible list. So now here's another key thing to recognize here that is also not mentioned in the in the real details, which I just read to you, that the key thing here is no player was mentioned in the report. It's very interesting. Now, the question I'm posing to everybody here is, is this enough? Or is this just right when it comes to the penalty for the Astros? I say the suspension is perfect. A year suspension for both these guys. The fine, not so much. And the draft picks, which I've been preaching for, for, um, I don't know, the last three months since November that this is going to happen. There's going to be at least at least a first and second rounders. I I originally thought it would be like three, four rounds of suspend, of uh, no drafting, but I think the first and second rounds for two years is great. Now, honestly, I think $5 million is absolutely nothing to a franchise like that. And honestly, $5 million to any franchise is nothing because you make that $5 million back in, a, in, a, in about a year, less than that half a season, you make that money up back in either ticket sales, revenue from advertisers, who knows, TV stuff. What they should have done was take the $5 million and it should have been towards the international money pool. International spending money is huge, in today's game, Major League Baseball, the fact that $5 million would have been a gigantic loss in international money for the Astros. A lot of their guys that they've uh, signed with international money, Yuri Gurriel, um, you know, there, there's so many guys, and not even that, you know, Yonder Alvarez, I couldn't even think of his name. Yonder Alvarez, the rookie of the year, they use international money on him too. So you got to think, a lot of scouting in the DR, Dominican Republic, Venezuela, uh, Cuba. A lot of international money goes to them, and that's where all of it goes. And if you spend, they spend, I don't know, two, three million dollars a year. Some some teams do. Imagine a five million dollar fine taking that away. That's huge. It's just it's a second free agency for major league teams when it comes to getting the cream of the crop prospects, cream of the crop players at sixteen, seventeen years old from the the Caribbean. But this was just the tip of the iceberg. When this was tweeted out, I was at work 
And I saw this. I immediately, I dropped my mouth to the floor. I was in awe. But, you know, it was, I knew this was coming. But it, it doesn't hit you. It hits you differently once it actually happens. So owner of the Astros, Jim Crane, immediately came out of the press conference, I want to say, less than an hour after this happened. I was driving home, and I heard, I saw a notification press conference starting. I was like, all right, I'm going to play it on my phone, listen to it in the car, try to wrap my head around what he's about to say. So he said, neither one of them started this, but neither one of them did anything about it, which is exactly right, except for the first part. There was involvement a tiny bit of A.J. Hinch. There was talks about he, he was involved a little bit, tried stopping the ringleader, Alex Cora, which is now in a huge scandal with the Red Sox and Astros. I'll talk about that towards the end of this this part of this topic here. But then he went on to say he added, we need to move forward with a clean slate. I get it. You got to move move on from this. Look, you received, they received the suspensions. They lost draft picks, lost money out of it. I get it. You want to move on. But this topic, this you can't move on from. It's not like one of your players got arrested for, I don't know, drunk driving. You can move on from it, whatever. It's just an individual thing. This is your franchise. This is going to be lingering for the 2020 season and 2021 season. And as soon as those two seasons are done, maybe you can move on. There's MLB insiders. There's GMs that are not being named. There's managers not being named, players not being named that are saying this is just as bad as the Black Sox scandal when the White Sox bet on the World Series and you had like Shules, Joe Jackson, Eddie Collins on those teams. This is just as bad. This is worse. People are saying this is worse than the steroid scandal, which I don't understand how that kind of correlates, but this is cheating. another way of cheating the game. And during the press conference, Jim Crane announced that he's firing GM Jeff Lunell and manager A.J. Hinch. It makes total sense, but once this, the news broke that they were getting suspended, I honestly didn't think of it. I thought being suspended is, is going to be a, is a harsh penalty. A year penalty is huge. But this is the right move for the Astros. Imagine the year suspension's done and 2020 season's over. Actually, the, the, the suspensions end as soon as the World Series is done. That's the complete season is over. So World Series is over. They can be manager and GM again. How do you think that's going to look? That would look horrible for the Astros and Major League Baseball saying, yeah, you guys cheated. We give that year slap on the wrist, if you will, and you guys can come back and do your thing and try not to cheat this time. That's rough. And the real the right thing was to fire them. And I was still blown away. Now, Crane will oversee baseball operations and made reference to it, a general manager candidate. It looks like it'll be an in-house guy. They, don't, they haven't announced yet. Uh, Joe Espada, who is the bench coach, is expected to be the interim head manager. There's a lot of guys out there that are looking for work. So if it's Buck Showalter or, um, I mean, I heard Dusty Baker, but Dusty Baker's way too old. There's a lot of young guys that are looking for jobs. You can get a manager job, but Joe Spot I think, is the right guy. He was interviewing four manager roles. There was about, what, six or seven jobs opened Six jobs opened up this this winter, so he was looking for a job, did not get one. Maybe maybe he's the right guy. Jim Crane loves him, but this is this is just the tip of the iceberg for this franchise. They can't get over this. They can't. It's going to be so hard. You can't move forward from this. It's going to take time. It's going to take a long time. If I say two years, I'm maybe maybe like not saying enough. You know, you can you can move forward from this theoretically, move forward and try to forget about it. But there's always to be mentioned. Imagine Astros; they're a great team. They lost Garrett Cole. 
That's the one big loss. But they have a stacked lineup and still very good pitching. They're getting Lance McCullers back. They're having Verlander back in that rotation. They have the bats with Bregman, Altuve, Springer, Correa. They have the lineup. Gurriel, Yonder Alvarez, rookie of the year. So losing is not going to be happening in the next couple of years. But imagine as they're winning and they're leading the AL West and they're winning the AL West and moving forward in the playoffs and maybe getting into a World Series again, this is going to be over them the entire time. Every single time they're winning games, they're on a 10-game winning streak, they're clinching playoffs games, they're winning big games in the postseason, this is going to linger over them like the biggest freaking shadow of all time over the whole franchise. Oh, you guys are winning games? Are you guys cheating again? That's what it's going to be, and it's unfortunate. Now, that's going to be the case. Now, remember when A-Rod first got in trouble with steroids? Everybody was saying, you know, at when he was at the plate, coming back from this, his first and then second suspensions, you taking steroids? When he's getting, you know, 30 bombs a year, people are throwing the, the syringes into their, fake syringes into their arm, mocking him, making fun of him. This is going to be the same thing for the Astros. It's not going to go away. It's going to take a long time. Now, according to a report, the mentality in the front office by Jeff Lunau was a quote-unquote kind of a winning at all costs. That was their mentality in the front office and executives. That was what they saw. That's what, that was what their thinking mentality was. You know, Lunau may not have known the situation was going on, but the culture of the front office was horrible. You know, it's said to be that Lunau has not been the most likable guy in the sport. He's kind of a dirtbag. He's kind of a, you know, a sleazeball kind of a guy. That goes a long way when it comes to looking back on this. People say, oh, I don't know. But it looks like you are part of this. Now, in uh, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred released a giant statement, a press release. But one thing to take note about the culture of the Houston Astros front office is uh, in bold here. I'm about to read. But while no one can dispute that Lunau's baseball operations department is an industry leader in its analytics, it is very clear to me that the culture of the baseball operations department manifested itself in the way its employees are treated, its relations with other clubs, and its relations with the media, extensional stakeholders, has been very problematic." If the man, if the if the commissioner of baseball is can notice this, and he hears all this going on, that's a bad sign. It's a horrible sign. And you know he is she he just issued an apology, a a statement apology. I don't even know what you want to call it. It's long, but the thing to really take away from Lunau's statement is saying in the second paragraph, first sentence, quote. I am not a cheater. He went on to say, everybody who has worked closely with me during my 32-year career inside and outside of baseball can assess to my integrity. I did not know I did not know rules were being broken. As the commissioner set out in his statement, I did not personally direct, oversee, or engage in any misconduct. And then he starts throwing people under the bus. Like the... He wanted to say um, it was driven and executed by players and video decoding of signals originated and it was executed by lower level employees working with the bench coach. Now, who was the bench coach in 2017? Oh, yeah, it's Alex Cora. Alex Cora is in maybe a worse situation than A.J. Hinch. A.J. Hinch was the manager. It was said that he didn't know anything was going on, or he was also said that he's you know backpedaling, saying, oh, yeah, I did see Alice Cora do this. I tried stopping it, but then nothing else happened. So he was involved. 
He was there. Now, Alice Cora said in a statement slash apology, you know, as a leader of the major of the major league manager, it is my responsibility to lead players and staff with integrity, and that represents the game in the best possible way. While the evidence consistently showed I didn't didn't I didn't endorse or participate in the sign stealing practices, I have failed to stop them, and I am deeply sorry. I apologize to Mr. Crane for all the negative reflections that this may have had on him and the Astros organization to the fans. Thank you for your uh, continued support through the challenge time. And for this, I apologize to all all of you for our mistakes, but I'm confident we will learn from it. I personally commit to work tirelessly to ensure I do. It's like he's trying to find something like a pity party. He's trying to find something to work in his favor, saying, I'm sorry, it's an accident. I mean, dude, you knew what was going on, but you let it happen. You let it happen. You try letting it by. Now, remember the old clip that's been surfacing Twitter when Hinch was talking during the ALCS about the Yankees thinking they were hearing, you know, the Yankees were hearing whistling as a way of stealing signs. And he basically said, you know, it's in reality is just a joke. That's what his comment was to all this laughing about it. These stupid rumors. Well, now you're a liar. You're a liar. You got suspended. You were now fired and you are considered a liar. Being a liar in general, stinks. Being considered a liar is horrible. But being considered a liar in the profession like this, where your face is always on the TV, you're in the spotlight all the time, you are representing a team, a organization, a franchise, you are the manager, you are the adult in the room. I know these players are adults, they're old enough to, to know what's right from wrong, but in 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 the sense of what we're talking about right now, Hinch is the adult in the room, and you were supposed to step up and stop it. But you are a liar, and you let it go. And now you're facing the consequences. Question is now, who will get a job first after 2020? The suspensions are done after the, during the uh, when the 2020 season happens. Who gets a job first? Is it A.J. Hinch? Is it Jeff Lunau? Or... Will they both be banned in a way that clubs won't want to be involved with them? Like almost like a SNU football thing when they got their the you know the the giant penalty of having their football season canceled. The death penalty, I couldn't say it. The death penalty. I think the first guy out of these two, A.J. Hinch or Jeff Lunau, to get jobs will be A.J. Hinch. A.J. Hinch, to look look past the part of being a horrible person (laughs) and lying and cheating, he's a good manager. He's won some ball games. He knows how to coach. He's won some games. Jeff Lunau, on the other hand, I think he's in a different situation. Not being liked around Major League Baseball to your other front office co-workers around the league is tough. He did, on the other hand, bring the, the Astros from the National League to the American League, helped them do that, and restarted the franchise from scratch. 100 lost, lost, 100 lost teams over and over and over again, and then making them into a first-place ALS team and a world championship t- caliber team. He did the, He did his job. He turned them around, drafted right. When they had the draft picks, they drafted right. But this is going to hurt him when it comes to getting a new job. It, it, this is, in a sense, like you talk shit to your, your 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 boss at work. You got fired. And now like you're an accountant and you're trying to get an accountant job in the same industry. And you can't get one because the word has gone around that you are not a cool guy. This is just like this, but magnifying on a hundred times on a hundred times worse, and because your face is in the spotlight on TV and everything, it's tough, man. Now, according to Rich, Richard Justice, AJ Hinch will probably go on an apology tour, but will anybody really care? This is, I think this is really more for AJ Hinch to 
come to terms that I did a mistake. I mis- I had a ho- I did a horrible thing. I want to make sure that I apologize to the right people. But are people really gonna give a shit? I I'm not. You cost the Dodgers a World Series. The Red Sox cost the Dodgers a World Series. Now let's let's actually talk about Alex Cora now. Alex Cora, bench coach for the 2017 Astros, was heavily involved in the cheating scandal there. And now he does such a good job being the bench coach for the Astros and winning that ring. He then gets a job playing and man- managing for his former squad, the Boston Red Sox, and winning over 100 games, crushing the AL East, and winning a World Series title in 2018. And doing the same thing again. Doing signs. It's incredible. And now he is facing maybe even a harsher penalty with his name now being now starting to be investigated. The MLB is now in, having a full-on investigation for Alex Cora, and I can guarantee you it's going to be a shorter amount of time. We're going to find this out maybe within this week. If not this week, it's next week, the latest. They're going to want to nip this in the butt and get it done. Now, Hinch, remember, Hinch and Ludo suspended for the year and fired. I can see Alex Cora getting suspended for the year, maybe two years, and then getting fired. This is a horrible thing that Alex Cora did. And it's worse because he did it for two teams, and they both won rings, and they both beat the Dodgers. The Dodgers are the biggest losers of them all. They lost to two World Series, to two cheating teams, and a guy named Clayton Kershaw who got roughed up in both World Series by both teams. That's the guy I feel sorry for the most. Clayton Kershaw, in my generation, as a 24-year-old, soon to be 25 next month, He's the best pitcher in my generation, arguably, with Scherzer and Verlander. You can even put DeGrom up there. This is a huge, huge, huge dent in his Hall of Fame career. We know he can't pitch in the postseason. It's tough. But add that to <laughs> add that to sign stealing and make it even harder for him to win in the postseason. It's not fair tough, man. It sucks. Imagine Kershaw right now sitting at home on the couch. Imagine what he's going through right now, looking at that and saying, are you, are you got to be kidding me? You can't take the rings back and you can't find the players. There's too many of them. Now, I'm not looking at the roster, the entire roster through the 2017 season and seeing how many guys came up and down throughout the postseason and the regular season. I, I don't know. It's probably more than 25 hitters. Forget the pitchers. They're not involved. People are saying, what about the players? They're, they're involved. The players were, were just as bad as Alex Cora and A.J. Hinch. They're just as bad. They know what was going on. Now, in, in like the in the best scenario possible, I would love to see some players or every player get fined a nice substantial amount of money, but it's not going to happen. You can't fine an entire offense off of I don't know, let's say ten, twelve players, maybe. It's guilty association. It's not fair for everybody. Now, is everybody involved? Those I'm just throwing a number out here. 25 or 35, 40 hitters that came through the entire season. No, that's actually way too much. Maybe 25 hitters that come through. I'm just throwing numbers out here. I'm sure not all of them knew about it. Maybe, maybe they did. But you can't prove that every single one knew about it. Now, imagine that Major League Baseball did that, right? They find every single hitter that's come through the entire year from the minors to the guys that were on the starting roster through the postseason. What happens if I'm a guy like, hey, I was up for a week. I had no idea about this. No one told me. You know what? I'm suing your ass. Now, the, now that player 
is going to be with the Players Union and is going to sue Major League Baseball, and that is something that Major League Baseball doesn't want to happen. It's already a horrible look right now that the Astros and soon-to-be Red Sox are involved in a huge cheating scandal. You have two two guys, successful guys, fired, suspended from their team. Money's gone. Now imagine there was lawsuits involved with players saying, I can't pay for this $500,000 fine, and I didn't do anything, so I'm suing you. Screw you. Imagine all the players suing Major League Baseball, and this is going on. They said that there's there's no players involved or no, no players were mentioned. Get out of here. They're saving their own ass. They got what they wanted. They found the guys. They found the ring the the, the ringleaders, the most important guys, the adults in the room that should have stopped this. And they nipped them in the butt. And they can't they can't suspend everybody. They can't find all the players. Imagine Bregman is a, the the ringleader when it comes to the players, and you got to suspend him or find him. It's a horrible look for baseball. You already it's already a horrible image right now. You don't promote your players, quote unquote Mike Trout. You don't you don't you know promote your players right. Now you have this the image of baseball is going down the drain. Last thing you need is twenty or so hitters suing Major League Baseball. It'll be a horrible look, and it's not going to happen. <clears throat> now, if you want to look for the Yankees offseason, it's almost even better after the Garrett Cole signing. The Astros cheated and beat the Yankees. The Yankees signed Garrett Cole. The Red Sox cheated and beat the Yankees. Alice Cora will soon be fired. So if you're a Yankee fan listening to this, it's almost... A win in a sense. Yeah, it sucks. We were the Yankees were one win away from a World Series against the Astros. But people were being disciplined. And then the Yankees now have something to prove. They're angry. What the f- what WTF? Like what what's going on? Judge tweeting out, "Wait, what?" During the news when it broke out in November. If I was a Yankee player, if I was Gleyber Torres, if I was Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, Stanton, I'd be furious. I'd want to win, and this is going to drive me even more when I have to, when the Yankees have to face the Red Sox 16, 18 times, whatever it is. <clears throat> Damn, I have something stuck in my throat. That's going to be a huge confidence boost, a huge boost, team morale to boost these guys up for the entire season. Play the Red Sox. I'm going to beat the Cheaters. Astros, I'm going to beat the Cheaters six times. It's exactly what they want. Now, the last thing on this. Actually, you know, I'm not the last thing. There's a little more I have to talk about that I'm not even mentioning. There's a crazy timeline that I actually researched, and I found this. about where did this all start when it comes to Technology and sport and Major League Baseball. <coughs> well, I'm going to get a drink of water real quick because I'm about to cough up a lung because I can't breathe right now. <sighs> All right, I think I saved my life here. But here's this timeline Major League Baseball in 2000, way back in 2000, adopted board rules forbidding the use of electronic equipment in sign stealing. So that's the very first time there was ever mentioned to this. <clears throat> Let's fast forward 14 years, 2014. MLB introduced expanded replay, video replay rooms installed in all MLB ballparks. Now this is where the incident starts taking place where guys are relaying information from these video rooms to their coaches and players. As a weird relay system. September 2017, MLB disciplines the Red Sox and Yankees following the Apple Watch investigation. Remember, Red Sox are using the Apple Watch to kind of ch- to take signs or whatever. Now, let's, now, now, keep listening here. It gets even juicier right now. 
prior to the 2018 season, after the Apple Gate, Apple Watch Gate, MLB issues memo to all clubs, presidents, GMs, and assistant GMs stating electronic equipment may never be used during a game for the purpose of stealing the opposing team's signs. So there's another warning to everybody. Next, August of 2018, reports athletics request MLB investigates clapping during series in Houston. Is that another form of stealing signs? Absolutely. Let's go to the next one now. It's kind of a long. 2018 postseason. MLB. <coughs> this is crazy. So there's now video replay rooms for the first time. They've implemented these video replay rooms in 2018 postseason. 2018 ALCS Game 1. Astros employee removed from Camberwell next to the Red Sox dugout. Okay. Next one, prior to the 2019 season. We're now caught up now. MLB revises the rules they set in 2018, saying in-person monitors in replay rooms and introducing additional additional information cannot be shown to teams and coaching staffs. They're reiterating again. Then the 2019 ALCS Game 1, Yankees request MLB investigates whistling during the game in, eight, in, in Houston. That's dating back to the video I was just talking about where um, A.J. Hinch says it's in reality, it's a joke. The fact that they're starting these rumors that they're hearing whistling, it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, then now in November of 2019, the Athletic reports Astro sign stealing. The investigation begins. And now we're here on Monday with suspensions, fines, and everything. And this <coughs> is, the big, is the biggest suspension. Um, that I can remember the date, and then I realized this is not even the biggest suspension in in the history of baseball. Remember Pete Rose? Lifetime ban for gambling. Then A.J. Hendricks, one-year suspension right now. Leo DeRoche, uh, I can't pronounce this guy's name. Leo DeRoche, one-year suspension for, uh, which is good, incidents, um, to Major League Baseball, I guess he was hanging out with the wrong people and kind of um, uh, it was very weird, confusing. But one year suspension. Then Pete Rose again in 1988, 30 days suspended for twice pushing an umpire. And then 1913, George Stovala, 17 days suspended for spitting an umpire. So that's the longest. Those are the longest managerial suspensions in MLB history. It's tough. It's really, it's a really unfortunate situation. I mean, we can all we can always talk about the postseason number splits are ridiculous. It's night and day. Even the home statistics versus non fastballs, which is the crazy thing when the the when it comes to the trash can stuff. I mean, it's night and day numbers for first and second half. It's really unfortunate. It's stuck. It sucks as a baseball fan to see this. It sucks. But what? But what does this mean for all the other professional sports leagues? Are other leagues going to adapt to this kind of investigation? I mean, I'd be worried if I was a, an owner, GM in the NFL, NHL, or NBA. Now, I don't know how you would steal. I, I, NHL is kind of tough. NBA, I guess you can you could do something. NFL is more one you can steal plays. NBA, maybe you can do steal plays, but NBA is kind of a everyone kind of does the same plays. But and the NFL, maybe the the, team, the league that would be the next one to be worried about maybe some sort of investigation like this. You never know. But I hope you guys enjoyed that thirty four minute rant about this. It's very interesting stuff. Probably in the next podcast, we'll be talking about either Auscora's um, rumored amount of years or games or whatever kind of suspension we're going to hear, or we might be talking about the actual suspension. I don't know. 
But let's go to the football now. Divisional round. Unbelievable weekend in, in, in the NFL. First first game we're talking about, number six Vikings against the number one 49ers play on Saturday. The biggest quote I heard here after the game was Richard Sherman. So people keep disrespecting us. At the end of the day, all you can do is go out and execute. He then went on to say, it felt good. That's what we look like. And we're totally healthy. He also wanted to talk about I'm not a you know I'm a I'm, I'm he talked about how good he was as a corner and you gotta be respect me put your respect in my name and it's like dude we chill out Sherman we understand everyone knows you're a Hall of Famer I don't know why you're freaking out over this but the game overall was more of a defensive game I was very impressed by the Niners defense limited Cousins to 172 yards it was really ugly towards the second half. For the Minnesota, they scored a grand total of zero points in the second half. Jimmy G really wasn't the main star, but he did have some plays here and there. Tevin Coleman, 22 carries, 105 yards, and two TDs. The Niners are ready to go. They were going to be facing Green Bay. We're going to talk about Green Bay in a second in the NFC Championship game. I think the Niners can take this right now. They're all ready. I mean, we're, I'm going to talk about the Browns hiring, but their they're, Niners defensive coordinator should be getting that Browns job. He's totally worth it. He's taken this defense and totally flipped it upside down from last year. Last year's defense, the team was kind of a shit show for the beginning, and then when Garoppolo came in, they kind of revamped the whole team and kind of got this weird spark. But the Niners... I think they're ready. I think they're going to be Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl can um, represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I've I've kind of said it. It was either Seahawks or Niners. I thought those two teams would be going into the the NFC Championship game together, facing off, or one of them will representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. But the Niners are just so complete up and down the lineup. I mean, the receiving core with with Kittle and Sanders, and now they have Tevin Coleman, who's actually playing very very well. They're ready. They're ready. Now, the Vikings, it's just another disappointing year for Vikings fans. How do you go in year in, year out, knowing that you're not going to win? You're just not having success. Cousins, you sign for all this money. And yet again, this, I mean, look, 21 for 29, 172, a touchdown and a pick. Sacked six times. Offensive line was not doing great. And the fact you don't have Dalvin Cook at all in 18 yards, that's it, rushing. You don't have Pro Bowler from last year, Adam Thielen. He, and I know he's been playing hurt. He only 50 yards. Stephon Diggs, 57 yards and a touchdown, but there's two receptions, targeted five times, played very good defense against him. How was Dalvin Cook targeted eight times as your running back. That's a problem. Rudolph only had four yards. It's a problem. If you're going to want to succeed in the playoffs, you need those guys to work for you. When Cousins doesn't have that stuff, (coughs) it's tough. Injuries happen. I know. I get it. It's not good enough. And this defense is way too good to keep losing the playoffs. I mean, the names are just, the names itself just stand out. Anthony Barr, Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes, Everson Griffin. The, the names itself should be eye-popping, should, should, should tell you that the Vikings should have a shot, and they did not. They looked horrible. They looked horrible. Shout out to Nick Bosa, though, for sacking Cousins, then laying on the ground looking like he got hurt. And then the and then the crowd started chanting his name, and immediately I got to stand up and I got to you know, you know, freaking fist pump in the air. It was absolutely amazing. It was great, great, great scene. Let's go to the uh, actually the other NFC game that was played on Sunday. Number five Seahawks against number two Packers. The Packers hold off the Seahawks to a 20-23 victory and head on to the NFC title. Devontae Adams. What a night. Eight receptions, 160 yards, which what DK Metcalf had last week in the wildcard game. And Adams also had two touchdowns. 
And to be honest with you, I said this last week, I really thought the Seahawks can come out with a victory. I really did. I thought the Seahawks were complete all the way around. I think adding Lynch, not you know, I'm not talking about Lynch as a running back in a sense, but I'm talking about leadership, talking about the presence that Lynch brings into this Seahawks offense. I thought that would be a huge deal for the Seahawks, Seahawks team. He did have two rushing touchdowns for just 26 yards, but I really thought he'd be a, a bigger factor. Now, I don't know what he will be like next year if he comes back next year. We're going to talk about the press conference he had towards the end of the show and special segments along with ben, with Bench Player of the Week. But the guy Aaron Rodgers, hand up. I've said I thought he's declining. He, he sort of is, but tonight, I mean, Sunday night, absolutely killed. 16 for 27, 243 passing yards, two touchdowns, nine yards of pass, nine yards, every nine yards of play, pass play. Aaron Jones, bumbling, stumbling, 21 carries, 62 yards, two touchdowns. If they want to beat the Niners next week, they need Aaron Jones to come up clutch like he did this week. Aaron Jones is a difference maker. That man just throws his helmet into other people's chest and runs in for the end zone. It's great to see. Jimmy Graham had some clutch catches. But the one catch that kind of was controversial in this game was when Jimmy Graham... Caught the ball, and it seemed like he was just short of the first down marker. But he wasn't. He was very short. He was very short of the first down marker. It wasn't by inches. They gave him the first down. It was it was incredible that they thought this was a <laughs> first down, and it totally ruined the game for the Seahawks. And that was it. Packers are off to the NFC title game. Versus the Niners. We're going to talk about that game overall next episode. And we're going to depict our picks and kind of break it down. But let's go now. Let's now dive into the AFC Divisional Round games. On Saturday was an unbelievable game. Titans-Ravens. We saw last week Derrick Henry, not human. This one, still not human. 30 carries, 195 freaking yards. And also passing for a TD as well. The jump throw, about three yards. Derrick Henry is the difference maker for this team. It's That's the offense. The offense is run through Derrick Henry. It's pretty obvious. Tannehill has thrown for a grand total of 160 yards in two playoff games. They ain't going to cut it. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he's done this and beaten two unbelievable teams just shows that he means absolutely nothing to this team. It's Derrick Henry, and that is it. To be honest with you, I think the Titans have a shot against the Chiefs next week. If Henry, the leading rusher in the NFL, can continue his unbelievable rushing games and bring it into Kansas City next weekend, I think they have a shot. Their defense is playing great. They limited the Ravens Number one team in the NFL. The 12 freaking points. That's it. 12 points. 300 yards total. 15 first downs. That's what the Titans had, and they still and they still beat the Ravens. Ravens had 530 yards total. 29 first downs. Now you're saying like, I know I just said that the Ravens just scored 12 points and that's it. And they have absolutely destroyed them when it comes to total yards and first downs. But the Titans overall played very good on the on, on defense. It was very impressive. Very impressive. They have a pretty good, nice core with Logan Ryan, Kevin Bard. I know my my guy Taylor Lewan is not on the defense, but he's more of my favorite offensive player. I mean, he's my favorite offensive guard, tackle, whatever he is. Absolutely. But Derrick Henry is the guy. He is the god. He is that team. Having Corey Davis, Tajay Sharp, AJ Brown is nice. But if you want to beat the Chiefs, you got to have some sort of receiving core. 
I mean, there's only seven completions against the Ravens. They got very lucky. If they didn't have Derrick Henry, it would have been a blowout, and the Titans would have been done. But Derrick Henry is the savior. Now about Lamar Jackson, 31 for 59, 365 yards, a touchdown, and two picks, and also ran for 143 yards. It's a tough way to end the season for a guy who's going to be your MVP. Let's reflect a little bit. Lamar Jackson started 15 games in his second NFL season, lead the Ravens to a 13-win season. The AFC's first and number one seed, he also broke Michael Vick's single-season QB record, rushing record, finishing with a grand total of 1,206 rushing yards. And after his breakout season, it looks like that he might be emerging as the front runner for the MVP. And he's 100% established himself as the franchise quarterback for the next 10, 15 years. That's the upside. That's the thing you got to look at as the, if you're a Ravens fan looking at this team. 14-win team. He played unbelievable all year. I, you know, I, I watch the Giants a lot. Is it every Sunday? No. I work a lot on Sundays. Do I watch the Giants? Oh, absolutely. It's a shit show. I actually tune into Ravens games now. I love watching Lamar Jackson. He is the best thing on TV on Sundays. There's no fans or bots. He's the best thing on television on Sundays. I know you like people like Succession, big Succession fan. Lamar Jackson is the best thing on TV. You can't catch him. It's impossible. 1,200 rushing yards. I think it's 36 passing touchdowns this year. Franchise record in rushing yards. He's, he is your MVP, without, without a doubt. And there's the ad that I just played, because I'm looking at the stats over here. That's what you got to look at. Unfortunately, the Ravens are done, but the Titans are going to be facing the Chiefs. The Chiefs beat the Tex- the, the Texans. Texans were up 24-0. The game was over. The game was absolutely over. But the Chiefs thought otherwise. The Chiefs scored at will. Mahomes, 321 yards passing, five touchdowns. Watson, on the other hand, had a really good game as well. 388 passing yards and two touchdowns. That first quarter for Houston was unbelievable. Out of the gate, Kenny Stills, 54-yard pass from Watson, touchdown. Then there was a, a, a block, block punt return for a touchdown. Then Darren Fells had a four-yard uh, reception for a touchdown. That was the first quarter, 21 nothing, And then a quick field goal by Fairbairn at 10.54 to go in the second quarter. You had fans leaving Kansas City. You had them leaving Kansas City saying, we're done. Arrowhead Field, I'm leaving. That's it. Now, as a fan, it's tough to leave games like that. So you're trying to be positive, but you're down 21 nothing. It's a playoff game. You're getting pissed off. Well, then Kansas City went on tear. Four straight touchdowns to end the second quarter and the half. Then went on to score two more to start the third quarter. And then they scored two more. And they scored another one in the fourth. And then a field goal to end the game. And scored 51 points. What does this mean for the future of Bill O'Brien and the Texans? It's got to be a little little, little scared, isn't it? I mean, what a horrible weekend for Houston fans. Texans were up 24 nothing, lost. And then the Astros, well, you know what happened with the Astros. It's tough, man. I mean, the Texans will spend the offseason wondering how they let up 24 nothing. They let up a 24 nothing lead, slip away, and now the Chiefs will begin preparing for the AFC title game when the Texans had in the back. Texans-Titans. That would be a weird AFC title game. Now it's Chiefs-Titans. The, the best thing to come out of this was Eric Fisher with the best playoff TD celebration ever. Took the beers out of some fans' hands. 
slapped him over his head. What's it called? The uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm not much of a WWE, WWF fan, but that was an awesome thing to see. Love when the big fellas make a celebration, make themselves known to the public. But the weirdest thing to come out of this is there is always weird moments with Bill O'Brien. It seems like Bill O'Brien forgets he has a brain. He's supposed to use it. There was a moment when Bill O'Brien was doing some Bill O'Brien things. Not going for a fourth and inches on the Chiefs 20, but you fake. But then, but then you do a fake punt in your own territory. I don't understand Bill O'Brien sometimes. He won his job and his he saved his ass the wild in the wild card game against the Bills. He saved his ass. I don't think he'll get fired now because he got him to the divisional game. He's making the postseason, but he's not being successful. Guy can't win. He barely won against the Bills. That's gonna be interesting to see. I don't think he'll be fired, but the fact he's on the hot seat still is troubling for Texans fans. We'll talk about NFC title games, AFC title game next episode. Let's let's dive into more storylines in the in, uh, in the NFL coaching hires. The last one to fill a seat in the coaching circle is the Cleveland Browns. They hired Vikings OC Kevin Stefanski. Stefanski. Received a five-year contract to take over as the 18th full-time Cleveland Browns head coach in their franchise history. Don't understand the five years. Um, no, you've had some success over the years. Did not have success over the weekend, though, against the Niners. You didn't score a lot of points. A little troubling if you're a, if a Brown fan. But he's been the offense coordinator for a long time in Minnesota. As the Vikings offense coordinator, you know, was officially hired by Cleveland on Monday as the 10th head coach since 1999. It's a long time. He's a 10th coach. It's a long time of just repeating and getting new coaches, getting new coaches. It's got to be killer. But Freddie Kitchens was not the guy. And in the beginning of the season, Browns fans were saying, were thinking, what, a, what an opportunity for Freddie Kitchens, Baker Mayfield. We saw it. The season, his rookie season before, great relationship, looks nice. Everyone loves the guy, former quarterback himself. It looks like maybe we, they, the Browns got their guy, and clearly he was not the guy. Horrible coaching decisions, horrible play calling. You had Odell screaming at him, Jarvis Landry throwing helmet down. You No control of your players. Miles Garrett trying to kill Mason Rudolph. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible situation. Maybe Stefanski could be that guy. He's been with the Vikings forever. It's got to mean something. But the five years is a lot. And then Josh McDaniels, again, not getting a job, pisses me off. One of them is the Giants head coach. But maybe Joe Judge could be the guy. Now, over the weekend, during watching these games, we saw unbelievable moments as new Hall of Famers, Super Bowl winning coaches, Bill Cowher and Jimmy Johnson, have been announced that they will be in the NFL Hall of Fame. The best thing is when you see the big boy 400-pound David Baker, the Hall of Fame president, come in front of you and say his speech that he recites and says it over and over again, over and over again every single year. It's a very, very, very emotional uh, scene. I mean, watching Bill Carroll cry and Jimmy Johnson cry. Jimmy Johnson couldn't even breathe. I think he has like asthma or something, but he couldn't even breathe. He was that emotional. Take He could not speak. It was, it was an amazing sight to see. But I also forgot how big freaking David Baker was. He's a giant man. Sweats a ton. He's a huge dude. I mean, he's standing in front of, you know, he's standing in front of some Hall of Famers. He's standing in front of Michael Strahan. He's making him look small. And then end out our, our NFL talk my favorite receivers in the NFL Julian Edelman was arrested Saturday night in Beverly Hills incited for a misdemeanor 
vandalism, according to police. Edelman, who's 33, jumped on the hood of a vehicle on Saturday, approximately at 9 p.m. Pacific time, causing damage, police said. After the arrest, he was later released by police, and his statement police said that Edelman is scheduled to appear at an airport courthouse on April 13th. Now, he wasn't just by himself. He was chilling with former Boston Celtics star and current ESPN NBA analyst Paul Pierce, who posted a picture on his Instagram that night of himself with Edelman and former Patriots receiver Danny Amendola in Beverly Hills. I mean, it's just guys being dudes. They're on the night, on the town, having a good time. Edelman's not in the postseason anymore. Uh, and, and me, Edelman, he's on some horrible teams now, so he's not even getting licks. Edelman is is out of the postseason. Edelman and Amendola are fucking best friends. Been best friends for a long time when they were playing together on the offense with the Patriots. Just guys being dudes. Yeah, Edelman fucked up. Whatever. But is this really going to ruin his chances of next year playing well? No. It's going to be a topic of conversation during training camp and, and you know, and during the first couple weeks of the season in training camp. Absolutely. It's going to stink talking about it. But whatever. People are going to people forget about it. After the first week, I can even first after the week one of the of the of the of preseason, people forget about it. Who cares? It kind of stinks, though. If you you know getting arrested, I wouldn't like getting arrested for jumping on a freaking car. I would love to know what the real story is about. I mean, I don't know if it was someone he hated or he's just partying too much. I'd love to know, but maybe it's something we'll never find out. We're going to take a quick break. Actually, before I take a quick break, I'm actually going to say we're not talking college football tonight. College football play is underway right now. We're not going to talk about it because I don't want to talk about, you know, what's going on in game right now. I want a game to be finished. We'll talk about that next episode. Right now, LSU is dominating. Joe Burrow is having an amazing game. Trevor Lawrence having a very good game as well. It's a shootout. We're talking the next week. Or next episode, excuse me. When we come back, we're talking bench player of the week. Marshall Lynch is entering the building. I forgot to mention a very funny story from Mike Vrabel. And we got a Who's Man's and an on date in sports history when we come back. All right, we're back. Special segment time. You know what it is. Before I start Bench Player of the Week, I did not mention, I forgot to, but there was a interview with Mike Vrabel, head coach of the Tennessee Titans. He was asked, would you cut off your own penis to win a Super Bowl ring? And he said, absolutely. Well, my friend, you might be cutting it off very, very soon because you're in the process. You're one win, one win away of getting to the Super Bowl. So... Very interesting to see. We'll keep on the hot seat for that. But bench play of the week goes to the young man for the New York Knicks, Kevin Knox, against the Miami Heat. Shocking performance because Knox has struggled all year from shooting. He had 17 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists in 20 minutes off the bench, and he beat the Miami Heat 124-121. to Miami Heat are a very good team this year. Shocking to see. And, uh, you know, I work at WFAN and I watch these games all the time. They're all, Knicks are all a horrible team to watch, night in and night out. Horrible team, but Knox had a good game. Seventeen points against a pretty good team like this, and guys like Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler guarding Knox like that. I think it's a very impressive performance by Knox in a very young career. So, congratulations, first New York Nick to get the award for Bench Player of the Week. Congratulations. Kevin Knox, you'll be seeing stuff on Instagram and Twitter very soon. Next is Wow, Marshawn Lynch. I mentioned him before. During the press conference after the game, asked reporters certain questions, you know, talk about the game, how you feeling, you don't want to come back next year. But the main thing was he kind of interrupted everybody and talked about, talk about the youngins, talk about the young guys. Take care of your chicken, money, your body, your overall mental health take care of yourself I was impressed Marshall Lynch actually throwing some knowledge at it. I was like wow that was pretty impressive that's a great wow because I was not expecting that at all now this is going to be a very short special segment maybe the shortest of all time because there really wasn't enough here but this next segment here the who's man's is going to be one I might be talking about for a little bit 
AB, it, could, it, it should be just AB being AB. AB being AB. Say that five times fast. That should be the new segment changing from who's man's to AB being AB. So AB went crazy on IG this morning, on IG Live. There was footage emerged Monday morning from Brown's personal Instagram page of him berating his children's mother with police and kids looking on. Everyone who bears a who was who was listening to this, um, it, it was it was very sad to see. I mean, like, who's man is this man? The, the, Brown has done nothing but trouble since his release from the Patriots. We've said this on this podcast many times. I've said it many times. He's never playing again. We haven't talked to him in a long time. We've talked about him in a long, long time. The things that we haven't we haven't mentioned were let's see, you have. You know, making a music video. Don't know what you're doing there. Logan Paul challenged you to a boxing match. You're talking shit. You're then talking shit again, more about the NFL and about the commissioner and everyone's a scumbag, whatever. And now you have this when you're still under investigation for your potential, which I think is very true, your domestic violence and your sexual assault charges on, on those poor women. You're just an absolute moron. And if you were in front of me, sitting in front of me, I would tell you to your face. Now, many people know I'm not a fighter. I don't talk shit, really. But if you were in front of me, I would call you a fucking moron because you are one. Now, do you have mentally something wrong with you? I think you do. I think there's something mentally wrong with you. You are berating your children's mother. Your ex, you are berating her in the middle of... Of the road in your neighborhood where neighbors will be hearing this and watching this and you're catching it on camera on Instagram live. Why? You are doing racial slurs and you are cursing at police officers and there's a lot there. There's like, I think there was like a 10, it seemed like. It's embarrassing. AB, you are embarrassing to the sport of football and as a man, you are not a man. You are a little, little boy with a fucking attitude. And you need to fix it or no one's going to care. You are still one of the best receivers in all of football. Arguably, could have been one of the best receivers of all time. Statistically, you can say he is one of the best of all time. But this is the huge asterisk in your career. It's controversy, mood swing after mood swing, controversy, talking shit after another, where people are getting sick of it. I was done... I was done with you a long time ago, but this is the last straw. This is horrible. I mean, it should have been the last straw when the uh, allegation started, but this is even this is worse. This is not worse, but this is still very, very bad. The fact that you are making fun of and cursing and calling your 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 the ch- your children's mother a whore and a bitch and a slut and whatever—it's terrible. Whose man's is this, man? Your agent, AB, needs to fucking figure this out. Someone needs to figure you out, sit you down and wake the little boy in you and fucking wake up the man and say, get your fucking act together or no one's going to give a shit about you. All right, now I'm off my rant. Last one on this date in sports history on January 14th, 1976, Ted Turner becomes the CEO of the Atlanta Braves. Now, under 10 year of of what Ted Turner did under his tenure, still with the Atlanta Braves, he's done a lot. Won a lot of division titles, Hall of Famers like Greg Maddox, Glavin, uh, Chipper Jones have emerged, Smaltzy have emerged from his teams when he was the CEO and owner. Also, winning a World Series in 95, winning division titles, like I said before. Now you have a, I mean, Bobby Cox, too, is a Hall of Famer. So, Ted Turner... We all know her from Turner Sports, TNT, huge in TV, and now the Atlanta Braves. Unbelievable day in sports. Changed the way baseball is run. Taught some people some certain things about running a business. Great day in sports history on January 14, 1976. And to wrap up on the show, that's it. What a day in sports. What a, what a freaking beginning of the week it's been. Unbelievable news out of Houston. Talking divisional games. It's been a good podcast. Next week, 
I keep saying next week, next episode. I've had a rough episode by myself, but actually it's been over an hour. Pretty impressed by myself on next pod. Hopefully the gang's here. We're talking more about Major League Baseball's suspension with the Astros. Probably more information will be coming out very soon about Alex Cora and what suspensions he will get or firings, which I'm sure he will get both. And we'll talk about, of course, the college football playoff championship game between LSU and Clemson. It's a it's a shootout right now. And we'll talk about the NFL playoffs, the title games. We'll dive into who's going to win each game and go to the Super Bowl. So, my name is Taylor Ringle. This is episode 75 of End of Bench. Catch us on Friday. Peace!